been looking at the miracles of Jesus because we've seen so many miracles. And I believe there's something in this for each one of us today. This is one of my favorite miracles in Mark chapter 9. If you've got our, um, our app, we have the notes on the app. We have areas. If you go to the notes section of the app, you can actually click on little bits and take your own notes on, t- on top of what I say and write them in. So uh, it's kind of cool. That's in the notes section of the app. But Mark chapter 9, verse 20. Let me read it from verse 20 to 29. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth this is demon possession folks it's real as jesus and jesus asked his father how long has this been happening to him the father said from childhood and as it has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him if any of you have or have been dabbling with demonic things the aim of those is to destroy you It's not to have fun with. It's not to get what you want. That's what they lure you in with. But the ultimate aim, this demon was destroying this boy. Would often cast him into the fire and water to destroy him. Then the father said this, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. And immediately the the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said he is dead. But then Jesus took him by the hand and he lifted him up and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything except prayer. Lord, I pray that you would open the scriptures to us this morning and teach us about miracles, about faith, about believing you. And we ask that you'll bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I love this miracle because it's so me. Is it you? I am that dad. I want to believe, but I have doubts. Am I the only one here? Good. Because... You know, I'm not the first Christian to experience doubt, and either are you. See, we all want to believe Jesus, but sometimes we say, believe Jesus? (laughs) I doubt it. You know, it's how we think. Um, The Catholic mystic St. John of the Cross described a crisis in his faith, in his spiritual journey towards God, as a dark night of the soul. How many of you here have experienced a dark night of the soul? I think all of us have at some point. Some of you are right, right there right now. What he was talking about was doubt. When you know God, you want God, you want to believe God, but you struggle with doubts. This father sums it all up for me. And and all of us have doubts. And doubting's not new. It's not different. John the Baptist doubted that Jesus was the Christ. So he sent his disciples to to say, are you you the one? He had doubts. Uh, Look at Elijah. He's on Mount Carmel. 400 prophets of Baal takes them out well God takes them out but you know he's right there and then the next thing you know he has a crisis of doubt he's on the run from Jezebel Uh, you look at Gideon Moses doubted you know so many of them have doubted even in modern times I was surprised to see um, uh, reports that Mother Teresa left some diaries after she passed away now you know who Mother Teresa is she's an incredible woman but she struggled enormously with doubts it's all recorded in her diary deep-seated doubts. Martin Luther, the father of the Reformation, he suffered from doubt. In fact, he had a German word for it, and forgive me, uh, Otto, if I get this one wrong, Anfechtung, which it sounds awful, by the way. Anfechtung. 
I'm unfectunged. There's no single English word that captures it, but it apparently encompasses doubt, tribulation, and affliction. Okay? So, for Luther, even though he's the father of the Reformation, did all these incredible things, he spent a lot of time struggling with doubt. He doubted that he was, that he, he actually doubted, he, th- he thought he was outside of God's mercies. So God, he felt that God had turned a cold shoulder on him at times, and some of us have been there. So what do we do with doubt? Well, first of all, it's comforting to know you're not the only one who struggles with doubt. Many people struggle with doubt. Reed doesn't struggle with it. He's going great. <laughs> but you're not, if, if you're struggling with doubt, it's, it's, it's not a rare or difficult experience. Like you're not the only one doing it. Doubt is the norm. And in some ways, our doubts, you need to realize this, first of all, that if you have doubts, and it, <laughs> I'm being upstaged by a two-year-old. That's okay. <laughs> I... I this is my grandson, by the way, and my daughter, Kira. And um, I'm so blessed that he wants us all to remain hydrated. So he's always bringing water around. He's such a, such a blessing. Your doubts, listen to this, do not make something false. Doubts are greatly affected by things like health, emotions, and fears. The ups and downs of our souls, we fluctuate between faith and doubt. But whether you have faith or not does not change the fact... The, the, the facts the way they are. The good news of the gospel is still the gospel, whether you doubt it or not. People say, I don't believe in God. That's fine. He doesn't go, disappear in a puff of logic. You know, one second after you die, you'll believe in God. I'm good with that. But you should do it now. In fact, doubt can actually serve a productive purpose. Theologian Frederick Buchner I had a, had a lively name for doubt. He called it ants in the pants of faith. Because what he said was doubts keep our faith awake and moving. It stirs the pot. And for one thing, doubts help us test our faith, don't they? Now, I don't know if you've come. We were talking this morning about cold climates. We don't really get that cold here. I know it feels like it when you walk into this room, but it, we're not that cold. But have you ever been in a really cold, really, really cold place where they've got a lake there and you can walk out onto the lake? Have you ever experienced that? And, and I don't know about you, but I didn't jump. I kind of went just in and if it goes cracking whoa you know because you don't know how thick that ice is and that's a that's a little bit like what doubt is like you carefully test it before you put your full weight on it so doubt sometimes help us helps us to assess whether our faith will support the full weight of life's burdens and trials it's a journey that we have so doubt can serve a productive purpose but for me and probably for most of you doubt is just troubling a lot and i'm so encouraged by this miracle uh, from, from the Lord here. We doubt the nature of God's character. We doubt how valued we are by God, even if God hears our prayers. We question whether this faith thing is just a figment of our imaginations, and we feel like our doubt is second rate to the faith of others. How many of you have had doubts? You go to church and someone seems to be full of faith. You say, well, I'm not like that guy. You know, I've got these doubts. If we're honest, most of us. To understand this miracle, we want, to, we want to pull it apart and look very closely at it. So what I'm going to do is go back and look at some of the, the words used by Mark. In verse 22, it says this, the, the demon has often cast him into the fire, into water to destroy him. But if you can do, he says, the father says this, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus 
<laughs> said to him, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, but help my unbelief. How many of you have wanted to believe but found yourself full of doubts? Well, here's a great truth for you. God will meet you where you are in order to take you to where he wants you to be. God's not afraid of your doubts. Are you? See, the disciples had tried to cast this, out, this demon out of the child and they'd failed. So let's, that's the problem. The disciples had a crack at it and failed. And so the father's thinking, well, you know, can you do this, basically? They, they didn't. Can you? The Greek word for um, uh, the Greek word balo is means to throw. Now it's used by Mark as the father explains the condition that, that, that this this demon threw the child into things. So it was out of the child's control. He got thrown into all of these uh, mishaps. They weren't accidental. They were self-destructive in, a, in a, like a mania that came on that was brought on by the demon. And then he says, "If you can do anything, have compassion." Jesus who of course can do anything, replies, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Now the Greek word can, when he said, if you can, and Jesus says, if you can, what are you talking about? The word for can is interesting because it's the word dynamo, which means power and explosive power that overcomes resistance. The same word is used elsewhere to, to describe the power of the gospel or the power of miracles. It's the same word. And from this word, we get the English word dynamite. And I love this word because a dynamite's a blast. I was um, up in the Philippines, <coughs> up in the Philippines one day with a team of Australians, and I spent. This is going to sound weird, but I spent a very joyful nine hours on the road. We came round a corner, and there was all these boulders that, have, like a landslide, had fallen down. We're up in the mountains, and this landslide had fallen down. And there were these huge boulders there. And I loved it because I, we just sat there for hours watching the Filipino workers try and clear this. And there's no safety center, not a hard hat inside, everyone wearing thongs and they're walking around. And then one guy says, oh, dynamite. They go, beauty. So they get out and they drill these holes with a big kind of, um, you know, hand drill into the rock. Then they stick the dynamite in the rock and they've got this big long fuse. And I'm, I kid you not, it's like a Western movie, but they grab all the fuses together. They're smoking all the way through this. I'm like, this is going to be so cool. And the guy sort of calls out to everyone and says, okay, everybody stand back. He goes, and runs like crazy. And then boom, and there's rocks coming down. No blast mats, just rocks falling from here. It was awesome. So <laughs> that's what this word means. It, it just blows stuff up. If you can means if you can blow this thing out of the water. But the words I want to look at are the ones that we resonate with in, in verse 24. Immediately the father said, I believe, help my unbelief. The father cries out, I do believe, but help my unbelief. What's going on here? Well, the Greek word for help is boetheo, which means to run towards the cry of someone or bring aid. And it is in the present imperative tense which means nothing to you but what it means is it's a continuous cry for help that's being asked for here it's not a one-off it's starting now and it's going on into the future and how many of us know that faith is not a one-off thing you don't just oh I've got faith now no it's a journey and it's, a, it's something you need help now and long into the future am I right so what this tells me is that it's a journey and we need Jesus help right the way along you don't generally just get it you need to grow into it but the question I would ask, is this doubt or disbelief? There's a difference because he says, he says, he says uh, um, I do believe, help my unbelief. But 
there's a difference between doubt and unbelief. Doubt is being in two minds about an issue. Disbelief is having the certainty that it will not come true. And after the father, the, the father didn't disbelieve, I, I don't believe. He was struggling, <coughs> struggling with doubts. After he brought his son to Jesus, so he had an expectation that he would be healed when he brought his son. But after watching the disciples fail, the desperate father's faith was shaken and he wasn't even sure that Jesus could do it because he saw it. For how many of you have prayed for stuff, even at people, you know, famous people or whatever, prayed for stuff and it hasn't happened? And your faith is shaken by that. It really does. That's why he says, if you can do anything. But the father was honest enough to admit his own belief and ask the Lord again to help him with his son. James 1 6 says this Let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. So doubt tosses you around. Can you feel that inside you when you doubt? You vacillate between, I do believe you can't, but I, you know, and you're going back and forth, back and forth. You're double minded as the Bible explains it. You can see it in the Father, and I bet you can see it in yourself when you're believing God for things. Am I right? Look at those around you in the church. They seem to have more faith than you. It's, do you know it's easy to have faith for someone else's miracle than your own? How many of you know that? It's just and we're in a season in this church where we've seen miracle after miracle after miracle. I mean, crazy miracles. And yet, sometimes I face something really simple, and I, it, my faith starts to waver. Mark 11 verse 24 Jesus said I tell you whatever you ask for in prayer believe it and you have received it and it will be yours now this is not uh, this is not about summoning a fabricated faith what builds your faith is testing God and seeing him come through for that miracle then the next miracle then the next miracle and so your faith builds it's no, there's no magic panacea here I can't pray for you and suddenly you get faith unless the Holy Spirit moves sovereignly. Mostly your faith will be built over time as you see him come through again and again. And as you read his word daily and as you connect with other believers, that's why we say come to church. You can have church over Zoom and that's, you know, Steve does it because that's his only option. But he would love to be here with us because there's something about hanging out together, isn't there? That builds your faith. As I said earlier, faith, the shield of faith, it gets real power when the Romans used to join all their shields together. And so together our faith is stronger than if we stand by ourselves. Now, the interesting thing is Jesus does the miracle despite the doubts of the Father. The Father's saying, I do believe, help my unbelief. I'm, I'm, you, can you do it? Can't you do it? I'm not really sure. How does Jesus respond? He doesn't say, well, come back to me when you have more faith. Or get rid of your doubt and we'll talk. Instead, he acknowledges that this dad's conflicting emotions is going on. But he also just goes on to simply heal the boy. In verse 26 and 27, you know, they think he's dead, then he helps him up and he's completely free of this demon. Have you ever heard someone th say things are going to get worse before they get better? Yes, you probably heard that one. That's often true. And that's what happened in this case. The child seemed to be dead. Well, you've really blown it now. You've killed him. But he helps him up and he's not dead. In fact, he is healed. The demon is defeated. The child is healed. The Lord is glorified. But the disciples are puzzled. So they, they get Jesus alone in verse 28 and 29. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast this out? And he said to him, this kind can only be driven out, oh, sorry, cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. What is Jesus saying? Because this is really interesting. 
Does it mean that if you pray, you can have a, a magic word? There's a formula. If we pray in a certain way, then, then these miracles will happen. Is that what it means? I don't think so. Let's look at it more closely. Back in Mark 6, Jesus had specifically prayed for the demons to have authority to heal and to cast demons out. And yet their ministry was ineffective for this boy. No wonder the Lord was grieved with him. How many of us know that he's grieved with us sometimes? He gives us all these resources, all these incredible things, and we fail as they failed here. Jesus did cast out the demon and restore the boy to his father. But why had the nine disciples failed? Well, Jesus is not recorded as praying at, this, um, at the time of this miracle. So when he said this, this kind only comes out with prayer, what does he mean? He didn't even pray. He just cast the demon out. So if you look at it carefully, what Jesus is referring to here is not a quick prayer that you shoot up in and, and get instant results. The Greek word used here is the, is the word uh, prosuke, which means to worship and by extension a place of worship. What Jesus is saying is you couldn't cast this out because you're not living in a place of worship and prayer. That's not your life. You see, this miracle is recorded just after Jesus went to the Mount of Transfiguration. He took three guys up there with him. The other guys stayed behind. They dropped their bundle while, while the, the others were gone. They, they stepped out of fellowship. They didn't continue on. The disciples had been careless in their personal spiritual walk and had neglected the prayer and fasting and other things. They were not walking close enough. They were not living a lifestyle of prayer. So that word doesn't mean a single prayer. It means to live in that lifestyle, to, that lifestyle of worship. It actually refers to a place of worship. So they had left the place of worship and were doing things in their own strength. Jesus gave them the authority to cast out demons, just like this one. But the authority was only effective if it's exercised in faith. And faith has to be cultivated through a spiritual walk with him. You don't just wave a magic wand and get faith. But we can have the same authority. We can have the same pitfall. Some of us, you know, we, we, we just don't continue with the stuff that we do for the Lord. We get busy doing other stuff. We get too busy to, you know, to come to church or too busy to read the Bible or too busy to hang out with Christians. And so our faith suffers. How many of you know your faith suffers when you, when you drift away, doesn't it? Mine certainly does. So it could be that the absence of their Lord and his taking three disciples up the mountain dampened their spiritual further and diminished their faith. But not only did their, faith, their failure embarrass them, but it also robbed the Lord of glory and it gave the enemy an opportunity to criticize. See, it's our faith in him that glorifies God. But that faith, listen to me, your faith is proportional to your relationship with him. The closer you are to him, the more faith you will have. The further you are from him, the more your faith will be compromised. Abraham walked with God. In Romans 4, it talks about Abraham's faith. He's the father of faith, remember. It says this, no unbelief, there's that word again, made him waver concerning the promises of God, but he drew, grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do as he'd promised. That is why his faith was counted as righteousness. So the main lesson here the, the, is that the miracle that we see here, it's the power of faith to overcome the enemy. The neglect of faith of the disciples, the faltering faith of the father, but you still got the right result. Why? Because their faith was in whom? In Jesus. See, that's the real message. How to overcome faith, uh, doubt with faith? Well, in a moment of honest reflection, the father looked at himself. He went, I do believe, but help my unbelief. 
And if you and I are honest, we share that same struggle. This father believed that Jesus could restore his son to health, but he questioned whether Jesus would do so. And sometimes we feel that way. We recognize that God, God's delivered others. You hear these stories of people, you know, God delivering people and, 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 and these incredible miracles happening, but you think, well, maybe he won't do it for me. You know, we're afraid to, to ask that God might help us because we think we're unworthy. Well, he does it for them, but he doesn't do it for me. That's not true. You see, it's not dependent on you. It's dependent on him. Right? It's, it's always dependent on him, not you. It's dependent on him. God never works that way. Not only is he able to help us, but he wants to help us. Um, was reading in Romans 8. I love this verse. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Isn't that great to know? That's why, that's why Paul said, when I'm weak, I'm strong. Because when he's weak, he relies more on the Lord. The Spirit helps him in his weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that words cannot express. And sometimes you just don't even know how to put it into words. And that's okay. Let your spirit pray. If you can't put it into words, it's okay. You know, I, I really believe that, that it's not our faith that gets stuff done. It's our faltering faith in an infinitely powerful God that is what gets things happening. We've got to take the focus off ourselves and what we try to do. Not only is he willing to perform miracles for this church and for others, but he wants to do them for you as well. We must turn to him in faith and repent of our sin and ask forgiveness and follow his plan for us. God will do the rest. If we stick close to God, miracles happen. I was talking with someone uh, yesterday at a seminar we went to. It was a like a business sort of uh, seminar. And this person said, you know, I, I'd, I'd made a... <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. I, I'll tell you what happened. We we're actually in the meeting and they got me up to interview me and it was going out on Skype and stuff like that. And the, the guy is a, a very good friend of ours. We love him like crazy, but he's not a Christian. And he said, well, tell us about what the universe has done with your church and with that sort of stuff. And I said, well, I said... You could call it the universe, but I'm calling it God. And he goes, oh, well, you know, like, you know. And I said, but I said, it's okay. I know him personally. I can introduce you if you like. And uh, <laughs> this all went out over. <laughs> so all these Christians are texting. That was awesome, you know. <laughs> um, but it's, you, can, you can put this down to the middle. All, I, all I'm saying is that the closer I am to God, the more these coincidences happen. You can call them coincidences. I don't care. But last I saw, 700,000 doesn't fall out of the sky for Lily House, but it did. The deals we got in here in this church at half price, basically, that's a miracle. The miracles keep rolling on and on and on. And I know many of you are experiencing this in your own life, and you're about to experience one as well. You know, because God loves you. He's, he's not saving his miracles up for the next bloke down the line. They're for you and for me. And some people, I said uh, a couple of weeks ago when I spoke on this, some people don't believe the miracles exist anymore. We've got the word of God. We don't need miracles. I don't, I don't want that. I want both of them. It's like that, that, um, that, that ad for, what is it, tortillas or something. That, um, and when they say, you know, say, well, we put it in the tortilla. It falls over like this. We do this. It's too hard. And, and then the little boy says, why not have both? Why not have both? What an encouragement to us. You and I need to not think we are hypocrites because our faith is not perfect. Because God, there's an old Jewish proverb that says, God can strike a pretty big blow with a crooked stick. 
You don't have to be straight. You have to, you have to just come to him humbly and he can still use it. So the two questions I want to ask you today. Do we believe God can do anything? <coughs> or put it another way, do we, do we believe in the God of the scriptures? And secondly, do we believe he will do what he has promised to do? See, this father believed in Jesus and his promise and his faltering faith, his imperfect faith was rewarded and the healing happened. So let me ask you a question. This is going to be, we're going to dive a little bit into the word of faith here. But my question is this, is it faith in God or faking God? Ouch, that hurt, didn't it? Which is the greatest sin, faltering faith or faking your faith? I reckon faking is. You need to understand the strength of our faith does not save us. It's the object of our faith that saves us. You can take a small amount of faith and put it in Jesus and stuff happens. Talk, talk about salvation. You don't have to hit a certain amount of faith. You just have to believe. And your tiny bit of faith, God will grow a huge tree out of a mustard seed size faith because it's, it's a small amount of faith in an infinite God that is the important thing. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't get faith because the more faith you have, the more you will see it for sure. But even your faltering faith, you know, we are saved by, by who our faith is in, not in how much faith we can muster for it. And it's not believing in ourselves, but believing in him that saves us. We may have just enough faith to turn to God for healing and wholeness. We can barely turn. We can barely believe. Yet God accepts our weaknesses and at times he even tolerates our faith failings. The many times we act on our own without trusting him, but he's still, I, you know, God is infinitely patient. He really is. He has been with me. But remember, the stronger your faith, the more miracles you will see. So we should keep growing our faith, shouldn't we? I'm not saying we shouldn't have faith. I'm just saying that, that a doctrine that says you've got to do this and this and this to be saved is not the right doctrine. You have to accept Jesus. That's it. And all these things are added to you later on. I've had people come to me, particularly when we've had these, you know, quite public miracles, and they've said, oh, I, I wish I had as much, as much faith as you. I hate to tell them how much faith I really have, you know. It's not that great. It's usually spoken either sarcastically or hopelessly. The sarcastic person means that faith is meaningless fluff. But even my unsaved friend yesterday had to recognize that the God of the universe did something. He, you know, when people hear that, that's what miracles do. They bring glory to God. And that's why I want to be careful to get out of the way and say, I had nothing to do with that. That was all God's doing. See, faith is a trust in a relationship with someone who's already accepted us. So honestly, we, you know, maybe we need to get over our hang-ups. Faith is a gift. Seek it, relax in it, accept it. But please don't fake it. If you're struggling in your faith, tell someone and join your faith shields together and be stronger together. That's the whole point of church, that we can meet together and build up our faith. We don't have to drum up faith or bravado. We simply have to take whatever level of faith we have, however small, run with it and trust God. And God will help, help to keep us going day after day. It's like we don't have to jump out onto the ice with both feet. We can step out onto the ice gently and he understands. Look at what he did with Gideon. Gideon says, oh, I do believe, Lord, help my unbelief. I'm going to put this fleece out. If this is wet and the ground is dry, and it was, oh, still not enough. If, okay, if this is dry and the ground is wet, like what was God doing? He was taking someone with faltering faith and he was building it for him. 
Because a few, a few verses later, there he is down. He's saying, well, you've got 10,000 men. You better send most of them home. <laughs> you know, what's going on? But see, God did that. He got them down to 300 men to take on this huge army of Midianites. 300 men. Because you know what? At the end of that, Gideon could not say, hey, I'm a great general. Because he, he just knew God did it. And that's what God has been doing around this place. He's been doing these incredible, incredible miracles that are so off the scale, no one can take credit for it. A small amount of faith in an infinitely powerful God will see miracles in his time and in his way. Bill Moyers says this, I, I used to think faith was a state at which you arrived. But faith is an ongoing conversation between God and me. That's what, it's an ongoing conversation. If you're sitting here today honestly struggling with your faith, it does not mean that Christ will not respond to your requests. He expects us to grow and mature in our faith, not to stay paralyzed by doubt, but he also understands and has sympathies with our weaknesses in Hebrews 4. See, we're serving a God who loves you even if you're not perfect. We're serving a God who loves you even if your faith is failing. Because he puts people around you to help build your faith up. So Phil's not going into that, that, that operating room by himself this week. Sue's not staying at home by herself this week. Right? What is happening here is that we are with them. We stand with them because they're part of us. And we trust God with whatever he's doing. So what we do when we, when we say, I do believe, help my unbelief, is we're just being honest with God. But how do we keep our hope alive through doubt? Let me finish with three points. Here's some steps we can take. So the first step is this. Be honest with God. So many Christians I've met are trying to convince themselves that they have faith. And sadly, they are lying to themselves. You know the people, right? I have all the faith. You know, we're just believing God for this, believing God for this. I remember talking to someone who had the flu one day, back in the days when you're allowed to have flu and talk to people. And he had the flu. And, he, and, he's, and he's, his eyes are bleary and his tears are running down his cheek. His nose is all snotty and he's coughing and spluttering. But he's saying, I'm healed. And I said, if that's your healing, I'd ask for my money back. Because that's really not, like, like seriously, if you're going to get healed, get healed. You know, do it properly for goodness sakes. Proverbs 12.22 says this, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. Don't lie to God. Don't even try. Just be honest. Lord, my faith is faltering. I want to believe. Help my unbelief. So when you feel doubt, don't deny it. Just admit it. Admit it to God. Maybe admit it to friends around you. Say, listen, I'm struggling with my faith. So many of us have these dark nights of the soul. We do. It's normal. It's like, it's about being a human. We will all experience it. But don't walk the road alone. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, I will fear, fear shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For why? Thou art with me. Like he's with you and others will stand with you in it as well. The truth is, we've all been there. Mother Teresa, Martin Luther, all the Bible guys I mentioned. So if you are feeling doubt this morning, just cry out to God and say, Lord, I do believe help my unbelief. You know, I want to believe. Help my unbelief. But please don't deny it and lie to him and lie to yourself. Admit it and repent of it. In fact, I found that really helpful. Lord, I want to believe. I've got this doubt. Lord, I just want to repent of that doubt right now and I want to just believe.
And that sometimes helps me to turn a corner and really trust him. The second thing is be prayerful. See, it only comes out by prayerfulness. And we've seen the prayerfulness is not just a thing you do. It's a state you live in. It's a place where you live, where prayer, it's essential. It's a relationship with God that's a, that's a two-way street and it's open. I believe, help my unbelief, be honest in your prayer. I mean, God knows what you're thinking anyway. You can't fool him. 1 Chronicles 28, 9 says this, The Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. Well, that just about covers it. You can't hold it back from him. You know, it's like, it's like you, he's, he knows. He knows. So why we try and fool him, I don't know. Doubt may leave you feeling like you're praying into the wind. And we've all been there at times. But pray anyway. Jesus rebuked his disciples because the demon only comes out with consistent, deep prayer life. And in the end, when all is said and done, God's faith endures forever. So you might be suffering doubts. You might not believe fully in God. But God believes fully in you. He loves you. He recognizes your faults and your struggles, but he will build. If you let him build your faith, he will build your faith. I do believe, help my unbelief. The third point is that grow your faith. If you can grow your faith, you will see more and more miracles. If you have faltering faith, I'm telling you, God loves you. He will make things happen for you. He will, he will perform miracles. But how much more if you just keep stepping out in faith and believing for him? He, if you grow your faith, you'll just see more miracles in your life as a matter of course. So here's one thing you can do if you, like me, need more faith. God has an app for it. Did you know that? There's an app. Romans 10, 17, it says this, Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the, by the Word of God. See, the more we read and gain a working knowledge of the Bible, the more faith we have. That's why we do Bible studies. We don't do Bible studies because it's a fun idea. We don't do it because we want to read. We do it because that builds our faith. The more we study his word, the more our faith is built. The more we, 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 closer we know him through his word, the more our faith is built. So when your faith flickers, stoke the fire. Come to church. Come every week. Even if we're jammed in here and we only have two toilets, keep coming, please. I am praying and believing for more than two toilets. I know it's not a big prayer, but that's my prayer. I said, so help me, we've got to have more than two toilets at the new place because we are, the new place is opposite the public toilets. Have you been in those public toilets? We need toilets. We need toilets. So come to church because you can hang out. Hang out with church people. Have dinner with them. If, you, if you're struggling, call up, you know, phone a friend. It's like, you know, Eddie, whatever. Phone a friend. Hey, can we do coffee? I just want to share. I'm just struggling. Can we do coffee? Open your heart and talk to one another. And read the Bible every day. I put together a Bible reading plan. You may not be aware of it. There's copies over there at the Go table. It's on the app. Start reading the Bible. I guarantee if you start reading the Bible every day, it's two chapters a day. It's not much. Start reading the Bible. You will see a change in your spiritual temperature. And it will go up. And I don't care if you think, oh, that's boring. That's boring because it's building something into your life. And the more you read the Word of God, the more you know God. And the more you know God, the more miracles you see. It's a natural progression. 
So believe even when you can't see. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Ultimately, to see miracles, you need to step out in faith somewhere, somehow, sometime, and you need to grow to the point where you trust God even when you cannot see the solution. That's what trust is. You trust God even when you can't see the solution. And I am so sick of people telling me, well, I've told God that he's got to do this and I'm believing for this. No, he don't. God is God. Why don't you just take it to him and say, Lord, here's the situation. Have your way. Because if you don't get the answer you want, you're going to call it an unanswered prayer, even if he answered you. He just didn't give you the answer you wanted. So as your faith grows, you start to think like God and all the things you want line up with the things he wants and they start happening all around you. Why is there a picture of that on the screen? You're saying, what's that about? This, folks, is an African impala. Am I right, Renier? Renier has seen many of them and shot them. (laughs) No, he is a hunter, but I'm not going to, you know, anyway... It's a, it's a cute little thing. Let me tell you about this guy. I want to finish with this. He's cap- this little guy is capable of, of, of jumping nearly nine feet into the air. Have you seen him do that? Yeah. Nine feet into the air, right? Although it's a very small creature, it's only about three and a half feet tall. But did you know that any zoo can keep the impala confined to a yard with a stone wall only four feet high? Why doesn't it jump over the wall? I'll tell you why. Because the impala will never jump anywhere unless it can see the place where it's going to land. Is that you? Are you prepared to jump if you can't see where you're going to land? Because that is faith. So why not start believing big? Why not jump when you can't see the landing? Why not step out and believe God and trust him? Don't tell him, trust him. And he will start to perform miracles in your life. They may not even be the ones you think about, the ones you're expecting, but he can do this. Never be afraid to commit an unknown future to a known God. Would you bow in prayer? Lord, you've spoken to us this morning about faith, about believing you, about living in that place of prayer. And right now, Lord, we have people in this place that are looking for miracles in their life. Whatever the situation is, whatever you're doing, whatever you're involved in, there's miracles that you require. They could be financial miracles. They could be miracles of restoring a relationship that's been destroyed or hurt. It could be miracles of someone you love coming to Jesus. It could be a miracle uh, for healing. It could be a miracle for provision. But Lord, I know we are all of us seeking miracles of some sort. But if we are honest, we are right where that father's faith was. We say, Lord, I do believe. I'm not an unbeliever. I do believe, but help my unbelief. I do trust you, Lord, but I struggle to trust you. And I believe God has a special, a special blessing for us today if we would say, Lord, that's me. And if that is you, just wherever you are, I'm going to ask you to stand up. Just think about it. If you're asking for miracles and you're believing God, there'll be many of you, I know, but you're struggling in your faith because I want to pray for you specifically this morning. If that's you, just stand up. If you're believing for a miracle, believing for some sort of provision, believing for some sort of 
miracle in your life, some sort of impartation, something that you're trusting God for, just stand up wherever you are. Take a few minutes, think about it. Because I believe God has a special anointing and blessing for you this morning. Okay, you can all do this, but particularly for those standing and believing God right now, struggling with their faith. I want you to form your hands into a little cup in front of you like this. Just put your hands like this in front of you and just imagine that all your fears and doubts are in there, all the, all the distrust, all the times if you've trusted God and it didn't seem to work out. Just imagine that's there in your hand. And what I want you to do is to turn your hand upside down like this so it all falls to the floor because that's not you anymore. Now turn your hand back to form a little cup and say, Lord, fill me with faith. Lord, I pray that you would just move sovereignly now on the hearts of all of those who are standing, who are believing you for miracles, Lord God. Lord, that you would fill them with faith, that they will be able to trust you without doubting. Lord, I thank you that they are honest enough to admit that they sometimes struggle with doubts. They struggle with concerns. They struggle with fears. They struggle with, with not seeing the results that they are believing for. But right now, Lord, I pray that you would just dispel all of those and you would build faith into them supernaturally to face whatever it is they're facing, to believe for whatever miracle they are believing for, Lord God. And I pray your blessing upon them in Jesus' name. Let's stand together.